Chris Watkin back again with another estate agency story where I interview a well-known estate or letting agent from the UK to talk about their journey of starting their own estate agency or being an estate agent, the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations, the hopes and the dreams. And today I'm joined by Dominic Murphy, who is an estate agent, letting agent from the West Midlands in Solihull. And he's started his own estate agency um, back in 2013. And we're here today to talk about why he set up an agency, the, the, what, where, where things went well, where things didn't go so well, and what he's learned from that. So you out there in estate letting agency land can learn from him. Thank you for joining me today, Dominic. No problem and a pleasure to be here, Chris. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. So Soddy Hall, posh part of Birmingham in competition for the most gorgeous town compared to certainly Carfield. Yeah, both north and south of, uh, of the city, yeah. So we're, we're fortunate to be operating in an area, um, affluent suburb, um, of course, of the second city. So it keeps us busy and has done pretty much from the day we launched, as you mentioned, back in 2013. Growing up as a teenager, were you always wanted to be an estate agent? Was property in your blood? Oh, um, no, I never, ever wanted to be an estate agent. What did you want to be? Um, you know, I don't know, you know, once that whole, I want to be a footballer, I want to be this, I want to okay. be that, sort of, you know, leaves. Um, I didn't really know, other than the fact that I wasn't terribly academic. I really struggled at school, to be fair. Um, and I had a family that was pretty much well ingrained in property. Um, what do you mean by well ingrained in property? Well, uh, uncles, industrial development, uh, fathers, chartered surveyor, um, family owned, you know, owned over the, over the years um, property portfolios and whatnot so I think it was always I was always destined to have some form of involvement in the industry so a non-academic kid who didn't know what he wanted to do kind of fell into property like the rest of us yes that's that's pretty much what happened although in sort of unusual and strange circumstances really what do you mean strange circumstances well, so my father was fortunate enough uh, to retire out to Switzerland. I say retire, he moved out there nearly 30 years ago now. Um, come from a sort of background where parents were divorced at a young age. Um, and I ended up uh, working for my dad out in Switzerland as he'd opened up an agency um, selling chalets and apartments in, in a ski resort, in one particular ski resort. What year was this? Crikey, on my dates now, probably that would have been 2008 stroke nine. -ish. Okay. So you were been in your early 20s at this yeah, point? Yeah, early 20s at that time, yes, 21. Didn't you go to university to do a part-time degree in surveying? I did, yes. So I think that, you know, you felt that pressure, certainly downward pressure from parents okay. or certainly that, you know, you need to get a degree, you need to do this. Why, why did you go part-time? Um, because I tried to, or the plan was to work uh, for my dad at the time in his in his practice in Birmingham, um, and just do it on a sort of day release basis, if you like. Um, okay. I just didn't get on with it. I just I, I sort of knew very early on that it, it actually wasn't really where I wanted to be, um, and I certainly wasn't at that stage thinking of then being an estate agent. So you just to just to clarify. You were a, a teenager that didn't know what they wanted to do, so therefore decided that you've gone day release to your father's business, day release to uni, 
to yeah. doing a, 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 a surveying course, an estate management course. Yeah, estate management. But it wasn't. But what you weren't enjoying it. So you, then your father found out that he was going to Switzerland. Well, no, he'd already he he lived in Switzerland at that stage or at that time already. Um, so I was involved in his sort of day-to-day -day business, if you like, managing a small portfolio of commercial properties. Um, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed property. Um, and it came at a point, I think, where the, this country had sort of started to that 2008, 2009 period, where um, I was actually at that point um, with King Sturge, who were later bought out by Jones Lang LaSalle. Um, I ended up doing... Oh, so you'd left your father's firm by this point? Uh, I hadn't... I said, I never really felt like I left because I wasn't really formally employed. Um, I was helping my dad. He was helping me whilst I was then at uni. Okay. Um, and I ended up working with or working at King Sturge on a day release basis. Um, and that that opportunity came to an end because of the, the, the situation. Well, in 08, things went yeah. tits up. That's a technical yeah. technical term. So that that all so that opportunity whereby I thought I was going to continue my degree and fall into that type of corporate agency, if you like, um, commercial agent agency, um, that sort of petered out overnight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and at that point, my dad sort of said, "Well, look, you know, I could always do the hand over here, over here being in Switzerland." And as a 20, early 20-something 20 or other, I thought, well, okay, that's an opportunity, so let's, let's go and get stuck into it. So what were you doing in Switzerland? Buying and selling and renting? So I was acting, uh, so it was, it was a state agency. Uh, my dad saw a niche in the market to launch um, an English-speaking agency in a ski resort that was predominantly dominated by a couple of families that were in third and fourth generation agency. Um, and what we did well as an agency was attracted the trust, if you like, of, of English buyers. And there was a real market for sort of second and third homeowners in Switzerland. Obviously, it's a beautiful place. Mountains, a fantastic place to be. <laughs> um, and as they, were, as they were buying and indeed selling out there, um, it was very easy to attract English custom. Um, so I sort of very quickly learned and understood the importance of um, client care or customer care. Um, mm -hmm. We weren't dealing in huge volumes. We we're very fortunate that commission levels are, are high. Um, so there was, there was none of this, you know, rush for 30 sales a month type stuff. It was, you know, one a month actually was, was a lovely position to be in. Um, and I learned very, very quickly that handling and dealing and just providing excellent customer service was incredibly important to the journey or the process of a state agency. But what's the difference between managing a commercial unit to the thrill of the, or answer my own question, the thrill of the deal of selling. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there was no thrill involved in commercial agency so far as I um, experienced. Not to say that perhaps okay. there might not have been further down the road. I don't think there is. Maybe not. I was being polite. <laughs> um, no, uh, look, it was, it was incredibly, incredibly exciting. Dealt with some phenomenal people, um, clients that have become friends. Um, what did you specifically love um, about selling houses? Because you can give me all this client care and looking after them and all that, which is very, very important. It's so important. Yeah. But I'm talking about you, Dominic. What did you get? What thrill did you get? Uh, the, the thrill of agreeing a deal, the thrill of... Okay, uh, but it's only one a month. That's... Uh, yeah, but you're working on, you know, you're working on numbers where sales could be anything from 2 million to 10 million. You, you've, you're... <laughs> 
you're forever dealing with um, the so logistics of... So you could be earning a 20, 30, 50 grand fee on some of these stuff. Perhaps as, as, a, as a minimum, you know, we're, we were, and again, people say, what are you doing here now? Um, but no, fee, the, fee, um, the fee structure was 5% okay. up to a million and 3% thereafter. What did you, you know, what did you enjoy with the money or was your father holding back the pennies? Did he, what, <laughs> he what was it? What was it? Well, yeah, yeah, he gave me a you call. see where this is going. What, um, what does a young 20, someone in his young 20s in Switzerland with a bit of money spend his money on? Yeah, well, you know what, the, um, I think my dad was very good at sort of keeping him on a tight leash um, and not, not so much of that money filtered through into my hands. Um, but look, I was just really, really grateful for the opportunity out there to to really understand how agency worked. And I think had I have not experienced that, then I would never have come back here in 2013 um, and set up an agency. It was clear that I loved agency work. It was clear that I really enjoyed dealing with people. And you know, there is nothing better than taking somebody through that journey and process where they become you know, home searcher through to homeowner. It must have been tough for a young 20 year old to something to be in working for your father in a dip, in a foreign country yeah it was it was it, i mean the pressure is look it's a strange relationship i touched upon um off camera parents have been divorced since i was eight years old i think there was always um an element of wanting to try and really make things work and, and develop that relationship with with my father um before then had, he, had both both your parents lived in the Birmingham area and you yeah, kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. Yeah, a, yeah. a traditional spend a weekend at one and weekend at sure. the other. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did your father teach you as a child? I think he instilled discipline. I think, I think there was, there was, um, there was a bit of a, um, I guess accountability maybe. Okay. Um, accountability, discipline, none of that in a bad way. Um, and I, you know, I do joke about had he have not treated me in the in the sort of ways that he did, you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have that hunger and passion and desire okay. and fight to have wanted to get up and do something. Do you think you going out to Switzerland was something to prove to him that you were that you could do something? Because you kind no, of. I think I think I did that because I I think I was young. I was excited. I think I really really wanted to. Um, to get stuck in, you know, I didn't really, I didn't know the ins and outs of the industry. I'd, I'd never sold a house. Are you me. very similar, you and your dad? Uh, in some ways, I think we're very similar, but in others, others, okay. others not. <laughs> Quite often, though, if you have two alpha males, you know, especially entrepreneurial, yeah. they can rub each other up the wrong way. Yeah, How... and I think, I think looking back on it, you know, um, I think there were lessons that both of us could have learned by, you know, if we were to talk now about that relationship all those years ago, um, would we would we have entered it in a in a different way? Maybe, um, maybe so what, not. Was it? The, I mean, was it the relationship with your father that meant you came back to the UK? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we, we essentially, you know, there was only so many times, you know, I could I could be sacked, um, or I could be told that it was his way or the highway, um, and in the end, you know, that all came to an end back in sort of September 2013. How did you feel about that? I was really disappointed. I was angry. I was upset. You know, all of the emotions that you'd expect. Because you've got, you know, you're not talking about someone who's your boss. You're talking about someone who's your dad as well. No, absolutely, yeah. No, it's really difficult, honestly. That it, it, it has been phenomenally difficult. Um, but I've had some fantastic support. And as I touched upon before, 
you know, clients back in Switzerland that have become friends and remained friends over this entire period. At the time, did you leave on good terms with your dad? Um, they weren't good terms. I think they were, um, he was proving a point. I think, you know, this whole my way or the highway, off you go, you know, you're going to go and amount to nothing. You know, you go and, you know, you, you had every opportunity under the sun, under my guidance. And, you know, you, okay. if you don't do things my way, then there's no room okay. to be here. I mean, we're obviously going to come on to it later because you are a very successful estate agent. Do you think he actually gifted you something that probably at the time felt awful, but in reality put a fire in your belly? that probably was there, but it just needed igniting. Yeah, I, do. I mean, yeah, I do. I think that there are many other ways he could have treated me for us to still actually be a fantastic team and and for, for all of this to have never have happened. Um, but without doubt, you know, there are there I mean, are some really real hidden lessons and, and, and there's an education in there for sure that, that I was on the receiving end of, even if I probably wasn't so aware of it at the time. You still got your mum? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mum. She she lives in the Birmingham. She lives locally, yeah. So she's in Solihull. What did you learn from your mum? My mum's a real warrior, you know, a real battler. She's a real, you know, she's um, her parents are Polish immigrants. Um, came across to the UK, you know, way back when. Mm -hmm. uh, my mum's now um, probably shouldn't say this, but you know, approaching seventy. Um, she still works really hard to this day. I think she instilled in the what two sisters, Hannah and Kate. Um, a real, um, as well as giving us fantastic support, um, she, she's really been there for us all and, and sort of made us very much aware that anything's possible. You sort of put your mind mm. to it and, you know, if you do a good job, the rewards will come and follow. Yeah. By the sounds of it, you had a, you had a, a strange upbringing, but the, the, the gifts that you were given sure. have created the man that you are now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So back to UK 2013, mm -hmm. I'm going to prove something different. What are we going to do? Oh, I know, we'll be an estate agent. Um, so you set up your own estate agency yeah, by so yourself? I think it was, yeah, so September 2013, I was back. I think, I think um, uh, both myself and a school friend at the time, um, or who I had been to school with, obviously, because we were no longer at school, um, where we bumped into each other in a bar, as you do, and I was venting my frustrations about general life what I've learned over in Switzerland. And actually, most, in, most interestingly, is during that sort of last 12 months of being in Switzerland, I'd bought a house locally in Solihull. Um, and I couldn't believe that I was spending my weekends um, out viewing. Um, and there'd just been like a real lack of care, attention, knowledge, um, you know, doors just being opened, people just sitting on sofas and saying, you know, I'm there thinking, you know, God, I do your job <laughs> in, albeit another country. And okay, I'm not asking for anybody to pick me up from the airport, but um, I am expecting you to know a little bit about the house that you're showing me. And for there to just be this, you know, I just hold the keys type attitude, I think is really, really Here's cool. the lounge. Oh, you know, just have the answers to the questions that I think are, are expected. Um, so you set up your own estate agency with the with the passion that you think it could be done better. What with this old school friend? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So Chris and myself, we set the business up. Um, I think we then you know, we ran it from our respective living rooms and kitchen tables, back when that was frowned upon by the competitors. Um, 
and uh, and we we just hustled you know um i don't want that to sound like a bit of a cliche but we we just got out there um i was incredibly fortunate to have a really strong um family network if you like locally um and then social and sort of school network so the business that the golf club and the rugby club and the the inner circle if you like were able was able to give us in that first 12 18 two years really 18 months 24 months time was 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 fantastic um and i think had we have not had that support there's a little bit of a get up and go in us we didn't dress like estate agents we weren't in shiny suits and ties and you know aftershave squirted just before we get through the front door and we just approached things in a very sort of look you're struggling to sell with the, the current agent and most of our stock in those early days did come from well 13 14 you know the market was okay but it wasn't on fire it wasn't it wasn't on fire but then i think it 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 it, it wasn't long after that before it did catch fire yes so we had the uh, yeah yeah um so i think you know 13 you know you put into into perspective now the houses that were trading on the road that we first opened on a road called yoxall road back in 2013 14 they were at sort of you know 200 if they needed work doing to it 250 if they were they were in good nick anywhere in between those houses now are 350 to to 400 and some are some are topping out at 450. um so we've seen a massive boom and rise in the market and pace in the market over that period of time which of course has been um fantastic for us and helped us massively what did you do well in that first year um what we did well was not let anything slip through the net i think we were so attentive to the local market to the hunger and need and the burn you know at the end of the day you're opening up a business you've got relatively little to no cash reserves in the pot and you know that the only way to keep this thing going is to find properties sell properties and get them through and get the money into the bank and that does really powerful and and and, and crazy things to you um, it does put you completely and utterly out of your comfort zone, but it, it does make you do the stuff that you need to do. So we were relentless in our in our sort of quest for gaining business. Um, social media was around then, um, not very well utilised. Um, and in fact, it wasn't that long ago where a, a memory had popped up from, I think, eight or so years ago, where actually a friend of mine had commented something along the lines of, you know, do you think you're really going to sell property on the internet, you know, using Facebook? Um, and I screenshotted it and sent it to him and we did have a good, a good chuckle. Um, so it's amazing how that again has then led on to, to, to really support and help proactive agents. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the hunger for the business, hunger for the business, you know, when you, when okay. you have door knocking and all that, absolutely. And you know, door knocking gets a bad rep, I think. Um, but I think it's, I think there are, um, I think you can knock a door without begging for business. Of course you can. Um, and I think that that's the difference. Okay. I think if you some people would disagree with you on that one. Our mutual friend Chris Arnold, but we'll have to agree to disagree with that one, Chris. Yeah, I think I think you know I'm sure Chris will watch this, but I think that you can knock a door. It's all about the intent yeah, and what yeah, you say. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. don't blame the don't blame the, no, the method. Blame no, the message. No, and you know don't start banging on doors and your opening line be slagging off the agent that's failing to sell the house. Indeed, I agree. Um, and that might not be an instruction you win today, but hey, 
if it's pitched that badly and the agent isn't doing the work meant to, it will come back round. What would you do in hindsight differently in those first formative years? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have done anything. I think what I would have done actually is I'd have Yoxall Road that I referenced earlier on. It's a it's a side road, very much a side road. It's it's in a densely populated residential area, but the people that know it are only really the people that live off the immediate roads. It's not it's not a, it's not a real road. That makes sense. Sorry if it doesn't. Um, but I think what I would have done is actually gone for a prime pitch. I would have absolutely categorically have put DM and Co onto a main road back then with 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 high visibility. You really think it would make a difference? I think it would have made a difference. Yes. Okay. And I, and I I think that because I reference it to our sort of second office, if you like. Um, so we we've got uh, or we've have had now for the last four stroke five years maybe, um, an office in Dorridge, which is uh, another suburb that's only three miles away from our other office. Um, but it, there is absolutely no way that we would have had the traction and success that we have had over the last four years from that office had we have not had it. I know that because for the previous four years we failed to generate any business there. But what, what made that really different, Chris, was the fact that this office isn't just a standard high street office tucked in between a number of shops. It, it sits sort of loud and proud, if you like, outside the main Sainsbury's. So there is no, there is no way that anybody that lives in that small village of not seeing or knowing that you're actually the only estate agent in the area. Okay, we'll come back to Dorridge in a second. So you and Chris Rat were running your estate agency in 15 or 16. Yeah. Yep, then Chris left in 17. Yeah, it was 17, 18. I, I sort of look at uh, look at my journey, if you like, in, in ownership of DM & Co. I sort of split it in two. There was this first four years and then the last four years. Um, Chris was a real part of that journey. Um, he, um, I mean, he fell in love. Um, his, his girlfriend at the time, they're now married, they've got a young family. Uh, we still speak. Um, but it was impossible really to main, for him to maintain a relationship, you know, south of the M25 when, we're, when we were up in, in Solihull. Um, so that put a bit of, well, that created a bit of friction between the two of us over that sort of 12 month period where we had to make a decision on how we sorted the business out. So and it wasn't the case that you fell out. The simple fact is, is that oh, Chris fell in love. Yeah. He was 100 miles south. And look, yeah, I couldn't blame him. And I, I, I kept saying to him, look, you know, I don't want one day to have a phone call where you've ended up having a crash on the motorway because you've fallen asleep, busting your busting. He wasn't your going back to forwards every day, was it? Not every day, but it was becoming more frequent than not, which again I can't blame him for. And um, and um, and yeah, I, I, yeah. So you parted ways in a good way in yeah, seventeen, yeah. eighteen, but then you went to found another business partner. Yeah, so, so yeah, back then I was introduced um, to another party through mutual friends. Um, they were sort of prolific, if you like, landlords. Um, so had uh, great portfolios of properties. I had a, you know, I say at that stage, probably a fledgling sales business, if, if you like. I think a, a fair critique of it would be that, you know, I had a business. There was myself and a handful of people in it, you know, less than mm -hmm. six, maybe seven. Um, and we weren't doing a lot of business, you know, annual revenues back then, probably 200 grand. Um, and I was really, 
my nose was a bit put out of joint in that I didn't really know what direction I wanted to take at that stage. I really didn't know if I wanted to be in the industry. I was really sort of thinking, crikey, you know, how do we patch that relationship up with the old man and get back out to Switzerland in some way, shape or form? You know, I had a, a development project that was ongoing at the time that I was involved in with a previous client from Switzerland. And I just, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So this seemed like a really decent offering in that, you know, I, I... Did they come to you? Yeah, they came to me via a third party, yeah. So there was a... And offered what? Well, they just sort of said, well, look, you know, there's three of us, there's you. Um, I'd, uh, and, and they've got uh, a huge lettings portfolio. I didn't do any lettings. So it seemed like a really, it seemed like a nice fit. Um, and so they came in and it was just... It was evident that with the with the level of commitments and business interests that they had elsewhere, that it it needed more day to day management from their side than than just simply all coming together. So you know, it wasn't long after all that, probably um, I don't know, twelve to eighteen months, where things started to get a bit. Well, I started to question really how, with all the effort that was going in on the sales side, and don't get me wrong, there was fantastic support from from these guys, it just never seemed to work. So we came to an agreement to, to go our separate ways. Actually, it wasn't long before, before COVID or as COVID struck. But they say it's easier to get out of a marriage than a business relationship. Do you think, what am I trying to say, is that Going into business with someone needs to be done with your eyes open and finding out what the motivation is. Yeah, it does. I think, I think one, of my, um, one of my downsides um, is certainly that I'm very trusting. I'm very trusting of people. And I think I try to find the very good in everybody in every situation. And actually, when things start to turn sour or don't seem to be quite as right as they should be, I'm still the guy there trying to find the good in that bad situation. So I think that, um, I think that um, yes, you have to go in with your eyes open. Um, I think what I've really learned through the last eight years of hard work and graft and slog and sweat and tears and, and all of that is that um, every day is a learning day. <laughs> you know, there isn't a day that goes by where you don't learn about something. I think that I could, um, certainly add value to other businesses. Um, I think that there was a, a bit of a burning desire in me that whereby I would like to help probably me of five years ago, me of 10 years ago, you know? I think there are certainly agents that, that are revenueing two to half a million quid and don't quite know how to kick on. How to kick on. Mm -hmm. I think from the mistakes I've made and, okay. and do you again I know you had that awful thing with your father but do you think you learnt a lot from the relationship with this big landlord and getting into bed and getting out of bed do you think you learnt a lot yeah absolutely and you know um, I think we both learnt something from that I think that um, look he's a really well respected or they are a really well respected group of guys um, we still live in the same area we still occasionally see one another and speak to one another there's no there's no ill feeling. Um, just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Anyway, let's move on. Sure. So just before lockdown, yeah. you decided to set up a premium brand in your estate agency. 
Yeah, so actually, well, no, I mean, look, this was 2019. So 2019, I launched uh, Diamco Premium. Okay. I mean, Solihull is a pretty premium market anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what's up a quartile in Solihull? So for me, it was really important that, um, so again, through my strength of network and relationships okay. to the golf club, the rugby club, et cetera, et cetera, um, I was forever having friends come up to me and say, look, Murph, I'd, I'd love you to sell my house, but, you know, you've got an office on the Oxford Road, which is da 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 da, -da and actually, I, I don't, I don't, I think you're the right agent, but I don't think, yeah. I don't think you look right. Fantastic, great, thank you. Yeah, because it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, very hard <laughs> it's very hard to sell. It's very hard to attract people with the same branding with a with a with a little terraced house, a family house, and then a big whopper. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. Impossible. And it and it. So for me, I I knew pretty much from day one really that I wanted to um, get back into that sort of premium market. Yes. Um, I think that the business had to be built, a brand had to start to become recognized locally. Um, and I felt the timing was right in 2019. Okay. There were, there were, I, was, I was entering into conversations with a handful of people, but I sort of thought, right, actually, if, if these guys are going to take their properties to market pretty much simultaneously, then there's a real opportunity here to launch the brand with a bang. Um, and it, it <laughs> It winds me up to this day, the amount of agents that there are out there, and certainly in, in the neck of the woods that we operate in, that they just, they just create a brand, and then the next thing you know, they're listing 400 grand houses, 600 grand houses, or they're, you know, there, there is, there's no, there's no, it doesn't look like they're doing anything different to what they're doing under their normal brand, other than that they've called it something else. The yeah. phone line, the what did phone. you call yours? Diamico Premium. Premium. I mean, you've yeah. got it's there's like a there's like a brand bucket. You could go signature is yeah. one. Yeah, signature. There's country, fine, exclusive, heritage. Private. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, all. They're all. Have you done a different colour? Yeah, we have. But I think we have to. It's black. What colour have you got? Black. Got oh. black. Well, let me guess. A little bit of white and gold in there as well. No gold. No. No, no gold. No gold. No. <laughs> Um, but it was important to have, out. no, no, I know, but it was important to have something that stood out and was different. Yeah. And, and it goes one step further than that, in that you have to have a premium team then, because you can't expect your clients to call into the same office, have the phone answered by the same person, yeah. to then to be thrown across departments, etc., etc. So I really, really, really focused on developing and building, and at that time it was very much around me. So Diamico Premium was became my part of the business, if you like, that had my sole focus um, until I needed support, until I needed help. Um, I'm really lucky to have my partner working in the business. Um, she, you know, one day um, <laughs> needed, you know, I needed support, I needed help, I needed viewings doing in the business, and um, you know, since then, yeah, she's been sort of fully. What did she do before? Um, she was in the automotive industry, so she worked in a very sort of fiercely male-dominant um, industry um, as accounts management and that okay. sort of stuff. And now she, you've got her into a state agency? Got her into a state agency. She certainly found a calling in life. She absolutely loves it. Oh. Absolutely loves it. And, um, and actually, you know, it, it's important not only because she's my partner, but it, this, this is so true of everything in agency in that... It is all about the people. What year did she join you? She joined uh, about 2020. Okay, so, yeah, so just she's been in. She, she's, she's been in and at it certainly a good two years now. How was COVID for you? 
horrendous, terrible, scary. Um, it was at a time where, as I mentioned, myself and previous partners were going through the, the buyout, if you like. So, um, Didn't you buy another agency whilst you were buying uh, out? Yeah, well, you know what people say, did we buy? Um, I think the fairest thing to say is that we took over the liabilities. Um, there was an exchange of, of cash, so yes, there was some money that... that, that, that well, did you buy lettings or an estate agency? No, we bought an estate agency that had a good reputation, um, long established and trading, um, two partners in it, one was retired uh, or one wanted to retire, the other one was sort of the driving force of the business, if you like. Um, and that was a really, that was a really difficult um, moment, I think, that the timing of it was terrible. Um, why did you buy into it? Because we were outgrowing our office on Yoxall Road. Okay. Um, I thought there was a good opportunity there to relocate Yoxall Road onto the high street. Um, high street, it's the main A34, so not so much of a high street, but it was a well-positioned office. Um, and I thought really that we could rebrand it and you know, get stuck into it and, and move things forward. Um, it, it just became a, um, I think it just really suffered from um, the world's emotions at that time. Um, very difficult for somebody that had been running their own business to then be coming into work for yeah. a competitor um, or a competitor at the time. Um, very difficult for their staff. In fact, all of their staff took voluntary, uh, voluntary uh, redundancy. Um, so there wasn't a real, a want and need from, um, if it's fair to say, that side to make make things work. And I don't I don't actually think it was it for them to make it work. Um, but it was just a difficult period, um, really difficult period. And actually, we only ended up being there for about nine months. Um, very difficult to quantify whether business was generated out of that. Um, uh, Had you still got your yeah, original. Dorridge, still got the Dorridge office. What about the what about the original office? You still no, got that? so we so we did let that office go in order to relocate. Okay, but you were only at the new place for nine months. What did you then do? So whilst we were there, um, I was going through um, securing um, what would have become or what has become the head office for the Amco. So it's um, it's part of an industrial estate. It's uh, it's a it's a very different setup to your your standard high street estate agencies. Um, I've got uh, 1,500 or odd so square feet, mm -hmm. 20 to 25 people at any one time that are, that are in there, and it it was it was always a um, an idea that I wanted to put to, to put everybody under one roof to a certain okay. degree, and then have these little sort of sales offices that had prime prime locations. Okay. Um, so, do you still have a prime location in Solly Hall? We don't at the moment, no. Surely that's going to affect your premium brand, or in fact your estate agency brand? No, it hasn't. Um, it hasn't to date. And I know we have this conversation on and off camera about is there a need to have high street offices? Is there a need for this presence? I don't think there is. As, if you don't mind me saying, your social media presence is one of the best in the country. Oh, well, I, thank you for that. Um, but I, I, I always, in these conversations, I always find myself fighting with you on the fact that I do believe that we... I believe that the business needs eyes on it. Um, 
and that doesn't necessarily just mean have a fantastic social media presence. It's all about the mix. Mm -hmm. It's like the marketing mix. You can't just put all your eggs in one basket with content marketing. Mm -hmm. The job of an estate agent is to get your message in front of the eyeballs of where the eyeballs are. Yeah. And be that high street, be that social media, be that printed media, be that newspapers. Getting that balance right. That's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. Of course, I'm passionate about content marketing, but I'd certainly not recommend anyone put 100% in content sure. marketing. Sure. So it hasn't affected you. So what's it done bringing everyone together apart from the little satellite office in Dorridge? Um, it's really, really improved the way that the business is operated. But hold on, you were already only in two locations anyway. The, okay, so this is the explosive part of the business, you know. So over what has COVID done, what has the market done? We've gone from four years ago, seven, eight people in the business, six, seven people really. We're now sat at 35 people. We've, you know, revenue has gone from sub 200k to just below 2 million. That, that, that sort of, that level of growth over such a short period of time um, has caused, um, caused lots of pain and strain on the business. Um, it's taught me a hell of a lot. Um, but ultimately, putting people, uh, and this is why, this is why, um, again, I fight myself about high street presence, about, you know, the, the agents in our neck of the woods were all, you know, laughing hysterically at the fact that we relocated to essentially industrial estate. Um, but, and I think it would be really difficult to set up an estate agency today and it just be from an industrial estate. So I think we've transitioned to a location whereby we've got all of our guys and girls under one roof, albeit that the Dorridge office is a sales satellite. Um, and it's, it's, it's enabled people to work um, really well together. Um, so the cross-selling between the business. So we're now, you know, the, the business's revenue streams are, are diversified, if you like. you've got land and new homes department now. Yeah, so, we, you know, the way I look at it is that we have sales, be it Solihull or Dorridge. We have land and new homes. We have premium sales. We have lettings and property management. Um, so all of that operating from with under one roof, we've got you know an, an admin department, we've got a media team. I was outsourcing media for two years, um, and it was costing me thousands of pounds. It was always um, a month, and it was always a goal to bring media into mm. the business. I say to lots of people about you know the fact that we're estate agents. Well, I don't think we are estate agents. I think that we become estate agents by default. Um, because the product that we that we sell is a house, actually we're marketeers that sell houses. That sell houses. And, there you go. And, and Gary V all over. And all of our effort is how do we take this thing, this house, this object, and how do we put it in front of as many eyeballs as possible, and make sure that at every opportunity we are doing something that is different to your run of the middle estate agencies. And uh -huh. I think that's what we've done really, really well, well the over the last it. couple of years. What's the future for Dominic Murphy? Um, the future for myself, um, I'm definitely not going anywhere. I have no plans to go anywhere. Um, DM and Co. at the moment, um, as I've said, has got... I mean, you are, if you don't mind me saying, you're a baby at 36. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really you really are. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. About... I mean, I'm old enough to be your dad, <laughs> which is weird, isn't it? <laughs> Um, you must have been a tough paper round. It was a tough paper round. <laughs> You've got no idea. All that flying. The altitude. All right. <laughs> um, but no, that's, seriously, um, I, I've, I've got massive sort of um, 
ideas and goals that I want to achieve in this business. Okay. Um, I, we have multiple revenue streams now, so now it's about focusing on those revenue streams. How do we improve them? How do we make the business as a whole more efficient? How do we improve our footprint on the local market? Yeah, because a lot of people in your position might might go and say, right, I want I want you know the ego of lots of offices around. Mm -hmm. You've almost centralised it. I mean, I, I don't know what market share you've got in Solihull. Would you know? Are you happy to say? Yeah, our market share. I mean, th this is this is also one of the most crippling parts of estate agency that 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 many don't see is that. There are that many competitive agents. If you were to take a, a right move pie chart, for yeah. instance, um, those dreaded pie charts, um, I think they can be used well, um, but they they let themselves down over their level of manipulation. Um, okay. That's my that's my negative on the pie chart. However, um, yeah, market share is sub five percent, so which means ninety five percent of people aren't choosing you. Absolutely. And I tell you here and now, boys and girls in a state agency land, it's a damn sight easier to go from five percent to six percent than it is from zero to 1% in a new town. Yeah, and and I think that, um, I think, don't hold me to this, but in the postcodes that we cover, there are something like 74 or 75 okay. active agents. And again, it's a it's a good town with some good competition, so. There was a lot of, there was strong independent competition. Um, independents that have sort of fallen by the wayside now have been taken okay. over by the corporates. So the opportunity, and that swings me back to the sort of premium brand, if you like, um, that was absolutely sewn up by um, John Shepherd, if, if you're aware of mm -hmm. John Shepherd brand. Um, John, I, I know well. John has helped me over the last couple of years, um, and I, I, I often pick up the phone for a bit of advice from from him. Um, and it was just crying out for somebody then to take over that that market. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, you know, I'm I, I make no holes barred. I, I'm really proud of the fact that. We do now sell more houses at a million pound plus than any other local agent. Thank you for your time today, Dominic. You've been an absolute star. And I hope you out there in the state agency land have learned lots from him. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.